You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride Podcast.com and on Twitter at the Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to the 101st episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in Orlando, Florida. Hey, this is Matt Allen. Joseph's the middle name. Little guy's the nickname. Minneapolis. Uh, And this is Spencer Howe in Boston, Massachusetts. That was for Meyerson, so he knows my whole name. Hey guys, it's a... you know, we're, we're, we're down from our hangover of 100 episodes, and before we get into the start Oof. of our next century, um, there is just one preem lap on the podcast tonight, so make sure you're ready at any moment. Uh-oh. And a lot to discuss. Are there any free and laps a, or anything? No, uh, free laps with five minutes to go in the podcast. Okay, cool. Free, lap, free laps end at five? Okay. Free laps end at five. I don't um, know. You must continue on... The Do course I have to have in my the direction ch- of the course. You cannot backtrack the course. Okay. Do I have to have my chip on my ankle, or can it be like over my shoe with the strap underneath, like the cool kids? Um, I don't think it really matters where you have the strap or where you have the chip. Do you, uh, speaking of which, do people wear chips in Minnesota differently than elsewhere? Because here we just put it on the fork. It's a fork-mounted chip. We just have the the human ones in Minnesota that go on your ankle. Or you can put it. You put it on your shoe if you don't want it. Oh, you can because you don't want it to mess up your sock game. So you put it on your shoe, so it like sits on top of your laces. That seems dumb. So I have you seen that, um, Spencer. Yeah, and it seemed dumb the first time I saw it. Now that I've reminded, now that you've reminded me of it, it still well, seems dumb. It's better than on your ankle because on your ankle, it's you have this big foamy neoprene warm thing, and when you're doing a crit and it's you know, already ninety five degrees. The best way that I can think of to avoid that, little guy. Yeah, what's that? Just not not have chip timing. That's a good way to do it. Unfortunately, I don't throw all the races that I have participated in, um, Mm. or any of them. Um, But, you know, season starts tomorrow in Minnesota, and I will not be attending the race. Um, so I won't have to deal with that for like a while. In, in protest or? Uh, uh, yeah, in, in protest of my own physical fitness, I will uh-huh. not be showing up to the race. You're, are you, is, this a, is this a sit down, uh, sit in? Is that what oh, this is? Oh, it's definitely a sit in. It's a sit in. <laughs> it's an eat in. Uh, uh-huh. It's just a stay in, maybe a box of chocolates. So it's not a hunger strike. <laughs> it's not a hunger strike. I'm certainly not going on a hunger strike because that would be uncomfortable. So, no, I'm thinking so race season is couch, starting in Minnesota. Uh, uh-huh. Maybe a good movie or something, yeah. Yeah, race season. Race season starting. Are these the crits at the Minnesota State Fairgrounds? I guess so. I have, Yeah, they must be because <laughs> okay. it's Tuesday. I haven't looked right. at the schedule. But I, I saw somebody uh, in Minnesota, a Minnesotan, tweet something about have races. You... And I thought, holy crap, that's true. Tax Are you time. noticing a lot of people training for the season up there, getting ready for the crits? Like out on the greenway, you're seeing intervals. You're seeing um, seeing a lot of uh, people getting all ready for the race season. Um, yeah, maybe a little. I was out on the greenway this weekend, and definitely some people came flying by me with their aero helmets on and their carbon aero wheels and their 
I did see a U of M dude with a visor, like a like an aero helmet with the built in visor, deep nice. dish aero wheels and stuff. Nice. I don't know who that guy is, but um, well, you know cool. what it is. All all the folks in Minnesota have been doing their um, uh, fat bike Madisons all winter, and they're well, just flying now. Fat bike Madisons, but I bet a lot of people in Minnesota. Um, it's you know it's been cold here up until this point in the year. I bet they're feeling good about Heyman winning Paris Roubaix yesterday, um, since he spent about the last five weeks on the trainer in the garage. He says since he broke his arm at the head Volk, um, well, and he just won he's... Paris Roubaix, right? So, I think he's been spending the last eighteen years professionally preparing. Well, for this, uh, let's say this, he's had eighteen race. years of professional, and he obviously had months of preparation, but he spent the last month and a half trying to salvage his classic season, and he obviously. So, did that. So he's a he's a beacon of hope for masters racers everywhere that are on the trainer. Yeah, at five thirty-seven, huh. thirty-seven, and he just had to spend over a month riding a trainer. He sounds like your typical masters racer, except for the fact that he's he's a beast. Obviously, yeah. he also or seems he didn't have to go to the cool. insurance brokerage, you know, from nine to five every day or whatever. No, no, I'm sure there was like, it was like a trainer session, a nap, and a trainer session. Would you say yeah. to me that he's old? No, he seems kind of cool. No. He seems like a like yeah. a cool winner. Like I, when That's he wins, I was kind of like, "Hey, I don't even know who you are, but you seem <laughs> like a pretty cool guy." Uh-huh. I mean, he's been in the pro ranks since 2000 when he was on the Rabobank, um, what development team? So 17 years. Yeah, he was on um, Rabobank as a pro. You know why yeah. he sounds? You know why? You know why he sounds cool to you, Tim? This why is, is that? This is easy because he's Australian. Yeah. And all the Australians sound cool, A. They do sound cool, A, mate. And B, you know, I don't know. Do you need a B? He just had to get cracking. I yeah. I think he's cool because he's a he's an ex, another ex, he's like an ex-Sky rider. And and when you leave Sky, you, you immediately win Classics. So if you're a Classics rider, you've got to get signed <laughs> to Sky for at least a year or two. You uh-huh. do your time, you leave Sky, boom, you're going to win a Classic. That's how it works, man. Look at Kwiatowski, you know? So what do you think? Do you think that this He's is the... Um... Is he on Sky now? I thought he was on Sky. Yeah, yeah he went to Sky ah, because fuck. he won the World Championship. Screw it. It's all messed up. He's doing it wrong, yeah. Yeah. So, of course, we're talking up. about Paris-Roubaix, um, the, what, third monument of the season? Queen of the and classics. One... Depends. Did the Japan Cup happen already or not? No, they no, that's later that in the, the end of the okay. season, yeah. All right. So, yeah, um, third. And long-time professional domestique more or less matthew Heyman yeah. takes the win for rika green edge and he was in the break for a while yeah. um Hold on, yeah. of consequence is that he beat tom boonen on the finish ian standard taking third a former teammate that Heyman probably let out and worked yeah, for on several occasions that's gotta hurt to standard i think that's why he had the grumpy face on the podium compared to boonen who was super <laughs> boonen seemed like happy Obviously, Boone has other reasons to be happy, but like, and he was also just sort of like joking around with Heyman and stuff. They were like buddy, buddy. Standard was kind of just like, man, I can't believe I just got beat by my domestique that we totally didn't re-sign because he's old. And then he beat what me. about? And then of course in fourth place, Sepp Van Mark, who was the final, what the final four member. And there was a time there at the very end of the race where I think that Sepp probably put in the most dangerous attack leading up in the final like five kilometers where if an attack was going to stick it was the one that he put in um boonen did bring it back but i mean i i was yelling at the tv were you guys yelling at the tv i was excited about that set movie it did go where spencer 
said we were going to have a move. I forget, whatever, at 17K or whatever whatever that cobbled section is. Spencer, you're uh-huh. right. You did call the big move there. Uh-huh. I was hoping, but I, I'm happy with the way it turned out. It was a great race all around. It was just fun to see, every bit of it. Now, um, Boonin in second, obviously the fan favorite. But what really puts this all into um, perspective for me is that Heyman is 37 years old, and people are acting like this is the end of Tom Boonin. 38 in a couple year, a couple weeks, though, too. Yeah, so forget. he's going to be 38. And yeah, Boonin is 35. what? He's, he's 35. Like, he still has a chance to get five victories, and he found himself where he needed to be. Yeah. Um, after the force of... Arnberg, he was still in the you know what second group on the road at that point, yeah. and it should be noted that Tony Martin put in one hell of a dig that it yeah. you kind of saw why Tony Martin is important to this team. He was used correctly, and he like split that group up. I mean that's what ended up costing Consolara and Sagan well, a chance to be yeah. where it mattered. That that crash in the peloton didn't help him either, but yeah, it's true. We do have to say yeah. quick step. Did it right this time. They had guys where they needed to be. They're on the right side of a split. They had two guys. They put in the work. Like Quickstep mm-hmm. nailed it. It just didn't quite fully pan out. But like, it's still a victory. Second place for Tom Boonin's a victory in this. And it wasn't. You know, he he was he got to stay uh, lucky, if you will. And he did put in an all around good effort. So it was a lot of fun. I definitely yelled at the TV. I do want to give a shout out to NBC Sports Network for showing the coverage live. From 4.30 in the morning Eastern Time, somehow my old cable company still never canceled my uh, login to NBC Sports Network, so I got to watch it on the Roku. <laughs> it was nice. fantastic. Um, the, you know, obviously, the announcers could have been a little bit better with uh, Phil and Paul, but you know what? Commercial-free, easy to find, and it's something that I've always wondered. why, If the cameras exist, why can't NBC Sports put it on the air? Well, I want to put uh, an anti-shout-out to NBC Sports because I uh, didn't have a login, so but I do have that channel uh, that I could view on my TV, and of course they didn't show it until two o'clock in the afternoon. So screw you. Wait, so so here's the question, little guy: Would you rather have coverage of the event live on the the over the air channel with commercial interruption? Yeah. Or would you rather have streaming live in like in the future? but through computer access. I know which one I'd much rather have. I, I would like to have live. I, I just didn't, you know, it's another time, this has happened a million times, where a race is happening and NBC Sports is carrying it on television, but it's not on until two, three hours after the event. So and, you do understand that they showed the entire race in its entirety yeah. from 4.30 a.m. until the finish. Yeah, I do. Just by watching. I also online. don't have that magic code that you had to get in. So, well, do you have? If you have cable, then you should have a login. I don't. I to don't be able to access. I don't have anything. He has. He has the neighbor's dish network. So, uh, yeah, you know it's complicated. My 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 set my setup is complicated. But no, I would I would much rather watch on a television uh, than on my computer. Interesting. Uh, okay. Well, then Spencer, how did you watch the race? I uh, <clears throat> I took advantage of the NBC streaming uh, through the Apple TV, so um, kind of the same way you did, Tim. So I got to see uninterrupted version. The only downside to it, I gotta say, and it was a big downside, was Phil and Paul doing the commentary. Uh, it was pretty be? bad. This is like preseason. It's like you're prepping for being ready. You know, for I will. The tour. I will give them. I'll give them some credit. 
they did have to go for a full, what, six hours of coverage. Yeah. So they didn't do a lot of repeating of the of day's events. They did do a lot of repeating of their life events, like a couple of George Hincapie mentions here really? and there. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, they, they were talking about Tom Boonin's uh, podium back in the day when he was on Postal. Our That's our thing. Um, <laughs> they, you know, a lots of... There wasn't a suitcase of courage mentioned, but there's a lot of, like, he's digging deep yeah. in the pain, you know, there for courage. Had, there had to be a suitcase of courage. Yeah, they, someone was on the rivet, I'm sure. I, I was waiting for the, uh, my favorite Paris Bay coverage, I think, um, if you're going to play bingo with uh, Paul and Phil, is that um, at the end, the very last segment of the cobbles, they're like, oh, yeah, the there's only one segment that's left, and it's the ceremonial segment of the yep. of Paris Bay. <laughs> Yeah. Or they talk about the, the intricacies of a track sprint. A lot of these guys may never have been on a sprint and have to deal with the banking. Well, yep. that, unfortunately, is all that, too true. Because that, every every year, and I know these guys, their brains are gone at that point because they've raced 200 yeah. and some K across the cobbles. And I'm sure I wouldn't be able to think straight either. And I know I've screwed up a track sprint. But, man, every year we watch these guys come in and we watch them all sit in the sprinter's lane and then one guy goes over the top and wins the damn thing. Yeah, it's like all you need to do if you want to win Paris Roubaix, be third or fourth wheel, yeah. going into turn three, four, Blue and line. then move your bike approximately two feet to the right, and then just come over the guys coming out of turn four when there's a little bit of that downhill kicker. No, I, it's ridiculous. Boonin messed I, up that sprint. Yeah, Boonin had Why not that run if, him high? Yeah, he he should have rid him high to the rail. Yeah. Well, and you just, know who rode high, and it's the highest I've seen anybody ride at the end of Roubaix, was Matthew Heyman. Uh, up through turn one and two, he was very high on the track and dove oh, down. Yeah. He nailed and it. used that acceleration. And, and, I mean, this was the worry that I had when Boonin and, and Heyman came in. Because I was, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess, I was full in for Boonin from the moment they blew the start whistle that morning. And I was so pumped that he was there. And when he went in the velodrome with um, Matthew Heyman, I was like, he can beat him. He should beat him. On paper, he should destroy him. Yeah. But Matthew Heyman's Australian, and I guarantee he knows how to ride the track. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and I was worried, and I was rightfully so, because Boonin got boxed so, in and smoked. Okay, my read on the final sprint, Sepp Van Mark just totally boxed Boonin in. Yeah, no, and that it, was good. That like, was Seth smooth. Van Mark kind of was just like, yeah. if I'm not going to win, you're not going to win. And well, so Heyman had a clean gap. I think it was over before gap. that, though. You know? I think hey, Van Mark was in a good spot. I think the thing that Heyman did that was awesome was that he saw Boone and, and dudes go down, and he and so he went long. And all those guys are waiting to just jump at the end. And he realized that if everybody goes down, they got to move up around him. It was perfect, you know? Mm-hmm. Guys, it was... It was so much fun to watch that race. I liked our little teleconference halfway through where we got to like shout out about what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, I think that overall, great race. Um, some things that stuck out to me, and then we'll go to like different things that stuck out to you guys. But obviously, again, um, uh, Imanol Erverti of Movistar in the day-long break at Flanders, in the day-long break again at Roubaix, getting ninth place. Yeah, um, pretty pretty sweet finish. Yeah, good um, weekend. I was, uh, some other things on my notes here, I was most concerned about uh, Bossenhagen uh, when the final kind of mm-hmm. like five guys were going into the, the final two segments. I thought he was going to be the guy that mm-hmm. was yeah. going to win the sprint, but he, his legs must have been absolutely cooked. Yeah, he seemed um, like it. He said too we have, in post-race interviews, he said that he had nothing in the last like 5K. 
Yeah, it, it was obvious, right? And then you had the um, the Latvian champion. Uh, pretty cool to see him in the uh, yeah. Latvian national championship kit. Um, like seventh or something? Sarah Motins uh, in eighth. Eighth, okay. Um, and we'll get to Sagan. I'm sure that's going to be one of the things that's of note to you guys and uh, um, Consolara. But overall, I was stoked on the entire event. And pretty cool. Um, one of the things that we didn't get to talk about last week um, that stuck out to me was Phil Guyman getting in the morning break. On a last-minute uh, call-up and going, uh, he went to the University of Florida and riding with him on a couple of rides in Gainesville. It is pretty cool to see yeah. a local guy go to Roubaix. Um, and, I mean, he didn't finish. He crashed out. I mean, he had a pretty nice crash there. Yeah, he did. But his um, his Twitter feed going up to the, the race and everything, and to have three Americans tow the start line was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's funny. It's funny to see the guys uh, who you don't expect in the race. I gotta say, one guy I didn't really expect to do as well as he did was Cavendish. He yeah. didn't ride a ridiculous race, but it was his first go at it, and I forget he was he was somewhere in the top twenty. Put in a pretty perspe- respectable race, I think. Um, and I'm happy to see that Barbie pulled off a nice result in what sixth place. I think that's pretty good. Cavendish got 30th. 30th. I was just eh, looking right that's now. That's good. He's not but too I, far yeah. back. He's in that group. I mean. Top placed American uh, was Taylor Finney in um, 49th place. Not close to 16th place like I had what picked. Did, uh, what did Top Farrar 50. get? What did Farrar get? Because that was my pick. I saw that I'm Finney still... finished with a couple guys that were expected to finish way higher. You guys keep talk talking. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to scroll here. For All right. Well, I was going to say, another, a thing that number, one thing jumped out to me. One, Popovich is retiring, retired after this race. So that's sad. Oh, yeah. no, more po- no more Popo. He, no he, more... he did a good race. How they let him uh, ride the four-star bargain at the front. Like, I'm pretty sure they let him do that like as a gesture. I didn't see Like He that. was in the move. He was in the breakaway. Yeah. And, and he let, let him through. I oh, feel like... Nice. I feel like that was a, you know... He finished in 86th place. Yeah, he had a long career. It's funny. So the other day I read that he was retiring, and I and I spent a little time reviewing some of his past results and some <laughs> of the races. And um, let's just say that he had some good results in some fields with some uh, colorful characters, with some interesting paths. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah if, if you ever go back and you look at the first, like, three, four, five years of... Popovich's career, uh, you'd be surprised at how good of a GC rider he was and uh, how many riders that did a lot of substances he beat. And some of those old Giro uh, top tens are hilarious. Good luck, finding, <laughs> good luck finding somebody clean in there. Top place American Taylor Finney because the other two did not finish. Oh, Ferrari Tyler. Finish. Hey, you know, digging through these results, man, Elio Kaisa raced in this event you know he must have been the uh the quick step ace in the hole for if it actually got to the track the (laughs) um Uh (laughs) many times six day winner you have a couple of other like guys that just like you know stybar finished in 110th man lars boom was way back yeah those guys but um it wasn't their day it was uh you know it it panned out a lucky event tends to do it it blows apart when you least expect it to and if you're not in position you're you're screwed well, yeah. Let's, so, what else let's talk about uh, stuck that. out to you, Cra- like? Well, crashes, obviously. Like, so, like you said, you've got guys like Boone, Boone right way back, Sagan, Cancelera, obviously missing out with a bunch of crashes. Uh, Benute, a whole bunch of good guys missed the split. 
fell down, couldn't get wheels, whatnot. But so there's not one crash that totally well, like you I don't remember? know. I think there was some dude that did like a one legged wheelie over like uh, like a mm-hmm. Roman god or something. See, that's a pretty cool crash. That's not even the one I'm thinking about. The one I'm thinking about is when Team Sky had four guys out of what the re- the twelve in the second yeah. group. They, they whittled and themselves then they down. All went, they did, that, <laughs> and then so, somehow they got down to zero. Yeah, left. Standard had to been. He, I'm sure he got a lot of I'm sorry's when they got back to the bus because like he he thought he was set in that move at that point in the race, and it looked like Sky well, you had, had Luke Rowe, Rowe Moscot or whatever, and uh, I forget oh, the other man. dude. But yeah, right. They took themselves out. Who's the one that tried to bunny hop like at the last minute? Roe. And okay, did you see that? Roe had his head down, like he was like putting the water bottle back into the cage, and he yeah. looked up, and then all of a sudden there's a guy in front of him, and he so almost made it. He almost made the bunny hop. Yeah, and he well, and in Roe's credit, Roe got back up, made it back to the group, put in a little work for Stannard, and then was gone. But like, that's some serious great teamwork. Like, you get taken out by the other team guy, you chase back on. You're hurt. You're like, whatever. I'll get back on. I'll do a little bit of work. What I can. Hats off mm-hmm. for that. And then Terpstra getting taken out when he couldn't uh, do the Peter Sagan bunny hop that Sagan pulled off Holy over shit. Consolara's flying motor wheel um, <laughs> in the air. Do we know? Great stuff. Do we know what happened? Because it looked like he just rolled it. I think the giant guy in front of him just like took him out. It looked like the giant guy had a little twitch, but then. I, think I couldn't his, tell from I that think picture. His rear wheel just slipped out. But did it slip and he rolled the tire? Of he didn't p- roll the tire. I saw one shot and it kind of looked like he rolled it, but it wasn't like a good shot. I couldn't tell if it just came off, if the mechanic was fired. I, I think it just slipped to to his right, like pretty far, and maybe he overcorrected to the left and just fucking laid it down. Because they were on that, like, they were on that crown of the road and there was kind of yeah. two ditches on the side. I just want to yeah. make sure that the wheel, the tires aren't glued on well because you guys know I bought some uh, well, old you see Astana the, uh, training wheels, and I want to make sure uh-huh. they're glued on well. I don't want to have to re-glue them, so I'm just I want uh, confirmation they use like two coats for Rube. Did you see the photographer who took that photo um, talking about how he happened to be in the right place at the right time? You know, quote yeah. unquote. He was like, oh, yeah, I was in the back of the motorcycle, and we were driving ahead of the peloton, and the motorcycle almost lost it right there. So I was like, oh, we have to stop here. Some shit's going to go down. And so they pulled over and they stopped and he set up and he got the shot, you know? Yeah. There's, oh, that's crazy. So you got Sagan doing the one wheel wheelie thing. What, You've got Team Sky with the crash. I mean... Well, another Team Sky crash. What about uh, their sprinter, Viviani or whatever? He Viviani. got hit by yeah. a motorcycle. Oh, yeah. He's in, yeah, getting hit by the motorcycle in the Force Armored. Yeah. So I want to talk about that. So I was watching um, Sunday in Hell. Yeah. on the Saturday night before the race, trying to get in the mood. Mm-hmm. You know, the amount of motorcycles and craziness that happened in the 1976 version of Paris-Roubaix seems no different than anything that happens today. Yeah. <laughs> in that the the amount of motorcycles, close calls, um, cars. Now, granted, the 1976 edition of Roubaix and the old ones had the old-fashioned French worker protest, which was great. Yeah. Um, but, oh, my God, it was unsafe in the Peloton back then with the motorcycles. Yeah, of course. I, yeah. I don't think that this is a. Uh, yeah. I think it's just new to us because of the speed of. Um, I don't think this is like a. Uh, well, we can see it like, instantly. What the hell's going on? We can see it instantly. I'm You're sure, absolutely right. I'm sure. I'm sure at that point there's that many motorcycles, but yeah, there wasn't. There wasn't multiple cameras from every single angle. They probably had to have so many cameras back or motorcycles back then because 
they had to change the roll of film every like 20k so they had to just have a, have a new guy roll out with a new film canister you know huh. i thought i mean uh, it, it was a great race um so do you guys want to talk about Consolara's uh classic um move on the velodrome mm-hmm. like you, like oh yeah he's not going to be doing the hour record anytime soon <laughs> i heard about it i didn't even want to watch it i felt too bad for the guy it was like kind of his swan song i know i know the season he took still it going. he took it like a champ he got up right away and kind of just ran up back up to the top of the podium and like like high-fived his friend or whoever yeah but he basically just slipped on the track like the banking was too high and he was going too slow and he just pulled the old uh cat five velodrome uh rider yeah, yeah. It's a bummer. I mean, it was a great race. I, there's almost nothing bad to say about the race other than being Cancelera's last Paris-Roubaix. It would have been nice to see him factor, you know? But still... Uh, I still think race. he factored, though. Like, well, he did. Like, he still factored in that, you know, the way that he was chasing, the other guys had to put in an effort to keep him away. Yeah. Well, like, it was... Yeah, and he factored in that when he went down, that effectively also took Sagan out. Because at that point, Sagan only had one ally. And it was Cancelera and any Trek teammates, you know. Yeah. And the second Sagan was down, or Cancelera was down, Sagan had no teammates and just a whole bunch of guys who were not going to help him, you know. Yeah. So, sixteenth yeah. um, place competition on the uh, monument, and the winner of sixteenth place was Dylan Van Barley of the Cannondale Pro Cycling Team, the highest ranked Cannondale racer, and, um, got sixteenth place, and the best performance from Cannondale all year. No, he fit the same dude was what like eighth in Flanders. Yeah, but this is way more prestigious. Oh yeah. Now sure. we'll check the spreadsheet and we'll announce if there's actually a winner. My guess is that no one picked Dylan Van Burl. Pretty sure. And the closest, no. the closest is probably someone picking uh, Luke Rowe or even um, Peter Sagan, who finished just outside the top ten in eleventh place. So we'll announce that on the old uh, Twitter, and we'll do our next uh, contest during uh, probably 16th stage of the Giro would be the uh, the next uh, time that we're going to do a 16th stage. No, we got oh, we got to we got to do one for Liège. We got to yeah, do one for yeah, Liège. We got to do Liège. My bad. If not, if not, Liège best on Liège with a 16th place. Forgot about that monument, and uh, we will uh, we'll run the contest again. Maybe we'll get some good prizes like we did uh, last year when uh, Trek Factor Racing gave out the uh, the old uh, jersey. Full kit yeah. wanker. We should yeah, see if okay. we can get the tire from Cancelera's rear wheel. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> cool. Um, so, Tim, I know you you want to gloss right over um, when you ask all of us what our standout moments were from the race. Like, you just want to hear about yours and the little guys? No, I um, was going to ask you. I, uh, I thought okay. maybe... Right. No, no, Spencer, no, Spencer uh, what are your uh, favorite moments of the no, it's uh, fine. Paris Bay? It's fine. It's fine. No, I actually uh, I do want to talk about this because I think it's important. My, I have one standout moment. And I'm going to sound like I'm beating a dead horse a little bit, but... Probably are. Tom Boonen is is the standout moment for yeah. this entire race. Everything he did was perfect. Like, everything he did. He rode the race perfectly, and he is definitely not the strongest guy in the race. No. Not even close. He no. probably wasn't in the top ten of strongest guys in the race, but he finished a, a hair's width from winning, basically. Because he was the smartest guy in the race. He had so much experience and so much confidence. And it, and you could see it. And I haven't seen Boonin ride with that kind of confidence for a little while. And yeah. uh, it, was, it, was, it was Tom Key of old. 
It was awesome to see. I loved it. I loved I every minute. I think that's of it. A, yeah. definitely a great standout moment. Probably the ultimate standout moment was just having Boone in there. I mean, that's yeah. why I was screaming at the TV. Yeah. It was like, and, I want Boone in to win this. Well, Dude. and, you know, you saw some of his uh, post race interviews and stuff. He's been super, like, you would think he'd be super depressed and just, like, butthurt about not getting his fifth um Roubaix win and he just not he's just like no he like that guy earned it Matthew Heyman totally like deserves Mm -hmm. the win he's a great rider blah 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 and the quote that stuck out to me uh for two different reasons was uh was he said if you try to win the race it's possible that you lose it yeah and that's that's a great like hey you know you can't win them all but I tried to win it and I was right there like I can't be mad about that a great quote and then right after that, he followed it up with saying, uh, maybe being second today won't be so bad for the future. Maybe it'll give me another year. Yeah, and that was exciting to hear. Uh-huh. I think I, I, he has to want to come back after the race this year. I think I mean, so. Especially, he'd be an idiot not to. Well, like, after a 38-year-old guy that has never won a race, <laughs> like, wins it? Like, Well, put it, yeah. I mean, put it perspective, like, like like he was saying in the post race interviews, Boone he wasn't supposed to even be on his bike the last few months. You know, after yeah. that crash in, in in Abu Dhabi where he broke his brain open. Yeah. Like he was he wasn't supposed to even be riding his bike. So the fact that he got second oh, with totally obviously less than ideal preparation, like if he gets another good year, he gets rides to the year, does a grand mm-hmm. tour, gets some mm-hmm. time off and comes back without like a brain injury and all the other injuries he's had, he'll be right there. But you're right, yeah. Spencer, he wasn't like when Heyman put that attack in on the ceremonial cobbles, yeah, I I, I thought he was staying away. Like, Boonin, yeah. it wasn't the Boonin of old that just gl- was able to glide across. Like he had to do a full on sprint to get back. He to Heyman. worked. He he had to work so hard. hard. But that's yeah. so nice to see that like he's yeah. not the Boonin he once was, but he's still he's you know he's got uh, he's got class. He's got a little gut. He's Grinta or something. You know he's got yeah. something that that gets him there even when he doesn't quite have the legs that he used to have. And that's awesome yep. to watch. You know, maybe the, the thing that gets me a little bit and it's just a little weird. It's, it's, it's strange seeing Tom Boone without any hair. He hasn't had hair for a while. I know, but like, he kind of still had like a little bit of like, well, he had that hair weird on his head. Now he's like, he's gone the full bick. Yeah. What's that? He had that kind of like comb over thing. Yeah, it makes him look so was, tougher. And now he's got all the tats, and he's like at the shaved head, and he's always got the four o'clock shadow. He used to look like like a mm-hmm. like a nice little boy you'd bring home and meet your mom, and now you're like, ooh, who's that bad boy? <laughs> uh huh. Which is Dude. funny because he used like when he was when he looked more like a good boy. That's when he was crashing his supercars and dating like underage girls and doing cocaine and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now now that he's I, like a family man, now he looks all tough. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't know. It was, it was really cool to see uh, uh, Boonin up there. But, you know, I think overall it was a fantastic uh, race weekend. And um, I don't know. Anything else you guys want to add about Paris or Bay? No, I think we should move on to all the other uh, weird, yeah, the weird bike races. Tim, you saw that four, three movie star, movie star guys were one, two, and four at some oh, little race. Yeah. In so Spain. there's one quick thing. Did you see um, the story about the guy that, uh, uh, at Roubaix that got crashed and was taken to the hospital with a disc brake, sliced open his calf? Oh, yeah. shit. It happened. For movie star? It's real. Francisco yeah. Ventoso. Yeah, Ventoso. Oh, your boy? Yeah. My favorite so, guy since the movie Pro came out in 2003 or whatever. He was, um, he got cra- he crashed onto a spinning disc wheel and, or sorry, disc brake 
and basically sliced open his calf, and the medics had to, like, bandage him up there, and then he had to go in for surgery today. I'm not happy about this in one way, because I don't want Fintosa to have his leg sliced open, and that sucks. But I, I think disc brakes are stupid, and I want rim brakes to live forever. And so it's true, like, the because this has been the line that all the pros have been saying, and you're like, come on. That, I don't know if that's even true. I don't even think that's true. I, st- I just don't like how disc many, brakes. But it's how many guys were riding disc brakes, though? I didn't even remember seeing that many so, in Roubaix. Lamprey was riding them, and uh, Direct Energy is riding them. Yeah. So, okay, let's say Lamprey and Direct Energy are in the breakaway then. So the guy that's on the Mavic neutral support is going to have disc brake wheels? They did. Like, they had did them they? up there, but they, they had the wrong size rotors, so it wouldn't have mattered anyway. Really? How do you know that they have the wrong size rotor? Is this just they, like somebody you, you tweeted it about news? it? Somebody was talking about it. They have 160 rotors, and the racers were using 140s or vice versa. I forget, but isn't there? So there isn't a standard that these guys are using. Like you well, think that there would be a standard? Like hey, everybody, you would 140s. think a lot of things about the bike industry, but they're not always true. Yeah. All right. Touche. Um. Well, that's that's something interesting. Oh, what's that? Oh, we got, uh, a I got a flat. Damn it. Ah, you're out of the preem lap, little guy. You this guys is ready the to go lap? to the That was this the is, bell? That was the bell for the preem lap. Uh-oh. And so this preem lap is all about the Grand Fondo New York on May 15th, 2016. Where? In the borough of Manhattan. Oh, in Manhattan, New York. New York. That makes sense. So I personally, guys, have been to the Grand Fondo New York. I've experienced the... Uh, um, the show before the show, and basically it's a uh, it's a grand fondo that starts on the George Washington Bridge and goes up uh, the Palisades, uh, nice little climb, and then you come back and it's pretty crazy. So, so grand fondo in New York, that's got to be like what, like three, four hundred people? No, <laughs> four fifty. Uh, try again. There is a lot of people. Um, they shut down the George Washington Bridge. There's that many people. There's about 3,000 people that enter this. 3,000? Yeah. Now, That's a lot of people. So, how long? How? What do I... Wait. I don't even understand. What is a Grand Fondo? Let's start there. Yeah, Tim, what's the definition of a Grand Fondo? Because well, this isn't a race. Well, or, it is a know? race. It's a race, but it's not a race. If you like to race, are you going to have a good time? Yeah, that's like the whole point. Now, I have it on good information that if you're a cat, one, two, three, uh, man or lady, you get started at the front. Yeah, you have to prove that you're like an active racer. So if you're a one, two, three, you can get a, uh, a preferred start corral on the bridge. Okay. And then also if you've done other GFNY races around the world, you can also sit you can get in the front corral. And I'll say this is that they, it's sponsored by Camp Ignello and they do campy uh, neutral support where they ride around on scooters to service the wheels, uh-huh. the field of winners. And if you look at like, who's actually like placed here, mm-hmm. I mean, f- uh, friend of the podcast, Dan Chabanoff, a uh, very well-known racer, one of the Kings of the New York scene got eighth place last year. And people come in from all over the world. I mean, now what do you win? If you, what, what do I win? If I win, well, you can't oh. win, little guy, so we already yeah. know that. What, You're nowhere um, close. What if, we've got, what if I got, do? Yeah, I'm going through this list here, and I'm okay. like, even if you don't win, even if you came in dead last, you're going home with a brand new jersey, which actually looks pretty good. Like, I might, I would, I would wear this jersey. Uh, you're going home with a bottle of wine. 
Vintage. Nobody, n- nobody can't use that. You're going home with a nice little pair of uh, gloves here that uh, looks like they work with your iPhone, so that's handy. You're getting uh, an Elite water bottle. You're getting a poster. You're getting a magazine. And you're getting uh, some sort of neck headgear. Neck or headgear. Yeah, I think you're getting one of those like buffs that goes around the your buff, neck. Yeah. And so you get a lot of stuff, but then you also get crazy neutral support. So this is gfny.com for all the race info that you have. It is on um, – it's, it's in the month of May. Uh, you come by. Uh, I'll probably be there again just kind of hanging out. Generally in the month but, of May uh, or is there like a specific date? It's on the 15th. 15th. Got, got it. I just wanted the, to uh, the little guy. The overall winner gets a DeRosa GFNY Protos road bike equipped with full campy. So you get a full full campy bike when you win, but you wouldn't win. Because yeah. so, this is some legit people coming in. Yeah, and have, uh, of note, what? one of my favorite parts about GFNY, and we'll talk about this in uh, coming weeks, is that uh, they are proud supporters of USADA. And they've brought USADA out the last few years that's to true. ensure a clean um, Peloton. Yeah, and they've cool. done a pretty good job of that. That's yeah, they've weeded, weeded some people out for sure, which is, you know. I, li- I like that because we all know the uh, the Italian Grand Fondo scene is mostly <laughs> filled with uh, ex-top uh, ten riders from the Giro from the 2000s. In the GN- GFNY series, what's crazy is this is not the only one that they do. So the Grand Fondo New York World Championships is in New York City, right? Yeah. But then they have ten other ones around the world, and we're talking Colombia – Mount Ventoux, Mexico City, uh, Germany, Italy, Indonesia, Argentina, Cozumel, Mexico, and then Uruguay. So this thing wow. is uh, it's growing, and it's it's legit. Um, I've seen it in person, and uh, I'm excited uh, uh, yeah, for, I, uh, for I their just, support. So I just, just go up, hang out. I just pulled up GFNY.com, and I'm looking at the course map. It looks like a really rad course, like a really rad ride. Like There's some good climbs and some... Man, I actually, I might have to look into this. There is the there's the hundred mile full edition GFNY, mm-hmm. but then there's also the Spencer edition GFNY, <laughs> which is fifty miles. I like it. No, is there a so. is there a non trained little guy edition? Is yeah, 50? that's the hundred mile. That's the yeah. hundred mile. That's the hundred mile. Yeah. What? I got to do more. It's gonna get you into shape. Look, oh, one hundred miles. That's the get me in shape. Eighty five hundred okay. feet of climbing. You're gonna be you're gonna be ripped by the time we're done. All right. I'm gonna be cut and, from a different cloth. So, little guy, I think you just won this preem. Little guy, yeah, you won this preem. Nice. May fifteenth, twenty sixteen. GFNY. Get your registrations in at gfny.com. This is Eric Saunders. You're listening to the Slow Life Podcast. Well, so guys, there, there, there's still so much. I mean, we talked about the racing of Paris or Bay, but there was small, tiny races in Spain where Contador came out and took a victory. That's kind of a big And now race. he's talking about racing again. It's a little bit of a big race. It had like if, every GC <laughs> contender in the world other than Chris Froome. Is Chris Froome racing bikes anymore? Did he retire? Yeah, I don't know. It falls anyway. into the category of big races, but also falls into the category of races I don't really care about. So. Well, but you do get the cool hat when you win. Yeah. I mean, it is yeah. kind of a... Uh, Which is well, probably why Contador really went for it. 
Well, yeah, he's just he has a limited hat. hat budget, so he's yeah. got to only do races where he can win hats. Yeah. You know, I think that the only reason I care about these one-week races is if there's a cool gimmicky prize. Like, you get a trident if you win Torino Adriatico, and mm-hmm. you get a cool hat if you win the Tour of Best Country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's a good tune-up. We obviously now know who's uh, who's riding well with Ardennes coming up. Yeah, it's Contador and nobody else. Uh, uh, Valverde, Valverde had altitude training camp. Was fucking <laughs> rocking it in Spain. Uh, that guy that won... The AG2R guy, like Villa Vavuza or whatever, who won the tour stage last year, he was riding mm-hmm. really well. You know, is that the guy from uh, Cannondale? AG2R guy. Oh, well, uh, okay. he just Cannondale. Said I said, but I said okay. riding. I said riding anyway. well, and then in the same sentence, <laughs> you put the word Cannondale. I'm really. My head so hurts. it was exciting to see Diego Rosa win a stage at the that end. Was awesome. Did you guys see, name you saw this to watch? He's a name. I did. I did see the. Tim, end. did you see this? No, I didn't. He won the Queen stage, and he uh, he did the full on like mountain biker cross thing, win solo, get off the bike, oh, was, put yeah. the bike over the head, like walk across oh, the line. Yeah. That come on, that was nice. It was no, <sighs> Tim doesn't. I, Tim doesn't like a showboat unless it's him. Yeah, he doesn't like a little yeah. spectacle. <laughs> that was nice. I thought that was nice. I mean, he's a guy that's up there but he's not a guy that wins very often he's usually working for like true nibali like i I think he was just super pumped that he won he got a chance to go off i don't mind the celebration there and i don't mind that it was him that did it i guess i mind the venue i would rather it be at a um, you don't want it in spain or something no i i much rather like a a bigger race like i want that busted out on the top of uh alp duez what wait maybe he's practicing he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to do it like first time on Alpe d'Huez. Maybe That's not. A good Maybe point. Tim leave that. Maybe not. Uh, did you guys see that Steve Cummings won? He he was at the back, and then suddenly he's at the front, and he won. That's our, what he. Does. I did see that. Our favorite that tail gunner. Awesome. Did you guys that see was, that? That was a pretty awesome win. Did you that see was... that morning, like on Cycling News? There, Cycling News or somewhere that morning, there was an article that was like Steve Cummings. Says he's going to try to go on the break and win one of these stages, and then oh, I well. and then I open my phone up like three hours later and it says Cummings wins and I'm like no no that's got to be the same story no sure enough same day story about him trying to go on the break that he wins the day it's good stuff it's, uh, he pulls a few of those out every year it's uh, yeah, yeah I like to see it he, he, he races in a style that I like to watch you know he's a KG rider. He races like my when I think of bike racers who race the way that I like to watch bike racing is race. Yeah. I th- I always think of Gilbert, but I think of him not be, not in his current form, but like before he won world championships when he's still riding for Lotto, like yeah. when he just went out all the time and tried to win everything and really never did. Um like that that always trying style like attack every kind of stage like didn't matter what it was like Cummings has and it was, it was kind of sneaky and clever uh but usually ill-fated but it works I like sometimes that. yeah i i agree it's not the current Gilbert cuz the current Gilbert won't be racing this week cuz he's got a busted up finger fighting a drunk guy hey you know that reminds <laughs> me guys i think i may be drinking a little bit too much beer uh why you why is that? <laughs> I have a well, good authority that that's not possible. <laughs> I'm not um, the one getting in fights, but you are, know, are I just you... can't drop any weight. 
I'm just uh, I haven't been riding that much, and then like I go ride with guys, and like I'm still kind of in the group. Okay, I'm not getting totally dropped, but I'm just not you know out of town form. It's still not there. And then I realized the other day that when I bought a 12 pack of Miller High Life, because Ooh. if you buy the 12 pack of Miller High Life and you buy five of them Fight. by the end of May, and you get a limited edition High Life T-shirt, <laughs> that I may have like Wait. kind of crossed the Rubicon. <laughs> And drinking too much highlight just for a T-shirt uh, that I could probably get on eBay. So yeah, um, you know, and also I've been meaning um, to talk to you about the now Sarah the hasn't said anything you've been yet. smoking because you don't need that pool table, dude. I'm confused. I don't I'm drink. Can- I don't smoke. A lot of different things that you just said. Okay, yeah, let's discuss. But okay. First thing I think you need to do to solve all of these problems all at once <laughs> is next time you feel yourself drinking too much, go find Gilbert. And start a fight with him. Yeah, because he'll put you in your place and he'll call the cops. But I, <laughs> yeah, and then okay. you'll have time to reevaluate your choices. Yeah, but I really want this high life T-shirt for some reason. I've been I've been really milked into this uh, How, uh, this idea. I feel yeah. like you've been in Florida too long. Yeah, is this a, like a? But high life was the beer of like the first beer that I ever like drank because it was what was at the Blazing Saddles office all the time. No, oh well, see, being being part of that messenger culture is not going to help you. Here's see, the now, question. now you're a roadie, Wait. and as as a roadie, what do I got to drink Heineken? No, uh, no, probably some sort of as Belgian a, as a, ale. As a no, no, as a roadie, you need to only purchase fine Belgian ales, but never drink them. You can only admire them. You can only look at them and think about them and talk incessantly about them. <laughs> And this is starting to sound like an episode of the Meyerson line on the Wide Angle Podium nah, Network. But see, the difference there is that cross racers can drink them. Roadies can only appreciate them. But it, okay, so let's extrapolate this further, guys. Are you calling me a roadie or crossy? Well, you, because I would say I'm neither. Which, which, I'm just... <laughs> which bike is titanium? Yeah. The road bike. Oh, okay. Roadie. Yeah, yeah, roadie. Um, Tim, why did you first? Why did you drink High Life at the Blazing Office when the Kegerator had uh, Rush River in it? Because I wanted to feel cool. It was cheaper, um, you know, just good stuff. But I mean, we had those dirty <laughs> glasses that you could put the Kegerator beer in. Uh, yeah, well, you know, the, the the kitchen was never done in that place, no. so I never uh, trusted. You were afraid uh, you'd have to take a piss the with the with the with the window with the doorless wallless bathroom. That definitely had something to do with it. So, anyways, I was not the guy that got in the fight with Gilbert. Oh, good. But, well, yeah. it's hey, too bad he's not going to be racing um, the Wednesday race, the Bradis Rabantipshil. Is that what it's called? Nailed it. Nailed yeah, it. But isn't uh, I think Heyman's doing that? Is he? Probably. It's. I. Have you guys watched this race before? It's a good in between between uh, the the cobbled and the Ardennes. It's got hills. But not a ton, and it's got so I don't, I, don't know, I don't know anything about this race, and I don't think anybody that listens to this show knows anything about this race. So I'm going to yeah, cut so you off matter. right here. What? But I'm going to say I'm going to touch on something you just you just said uh, that Matthew Heyman's going to ride this race. Touch it. Do you think his schedule changes now that he's a Paris Roubaix winner? No. Like, how does this affect his season? Oh, not at all. I, I don't know if it affects his season, but he's definitely pissed off that he didn't win like three years ago on a contract year. He's like, on a right contract now, he's year. Like, he doesn't have a contract. 
Well, he's not going to get one. He's yeah, but he's not going to get one. He's 38. Yeah. No, he'll, so he'll, like, oh, dude, he's getting a new You've Oracle. already peaked. He's getting a new Oracle. He's i got to tell you, though, he gave sure. me hope. He's he's only two or three months younger than me. I can't remember. Um, but I'm, I'm, it made Wait. me feel like just with a little bit more training, I could probably win a Roubaix, you guys. How, how, how does this give you hope? But every time you see Chris Horner, you don't feel like... Like rainbows going off and like <clears throat> stars and unicorns jumping through rainbows and stuff. That's what I feel. That's that's like beyond hope. Well, maybe maybe that's your. Uh, your if you think about Chris Horner a little bit too much, you might get lupus. <laughs> Is that how that works? <laughs> I don't know, but that may Wait, have been the only so lupus why, joke that ever was like worse that's besides why they that Mitch Hedberg uh, bit. So people wouldn't wouldn't get lupus because no one would ever pay attention to the Chris Horner and the rest of those guys. Hey, so we got a couple of tweets last week, um, like throughout the week. We, we had a pretty busy Twitter, but a couple stuck out to me. Um, Emily Griswold, at Spasmic Spazzy, yeah. writes, I don't know how people get any actual work done sitting at Starbucks in big cities. Like, I can barely focus on the slow ride pod and nothing else. Well, um, <clears throat> Emily, thank you, but uh, probably not the podcast to listen to if you're trying to get work done. This is the podcast that you listen to on your ride, and you try to finish your ride quicker so you can delete oh, no. us. No, no, this is this is the podcast you listen to with a notebook out, a pen ready to jot down vital information that you're going to glean from in between all of the bullshit that we say <laughs> for an entire hour. Like, there's um, one nugget in every show that's not George Shinkapi; it's something else. Oh, sweet! I almost didn't make it this week. I think we did. Cy Birch, Cy Birch says, oh, "Hey, right. huge congrats on the century slow ride pod. Shame I only discovered you after episode eighty. Hey, it's cool. now I know why my love life felt incomplete. Yeah, you can well, still listen you... to those other old first ones. So, I mean, that's that's so, go back. So Spencer went back and listened to episode sixteen, I believe. Oh, shit. I did. did. You why? Tim For... Tim mentioned it last week. He said uh, some he made some crack about sixteenth places and how we should listen to our sixteenth episode. And so yeah. I actually did. And uh, yeah, it was." It was something. What did we talk about? I think do you got pulled up there, Tim? Because uh, it was it was good stuff. I I noticed right away that it took uh, just a few minutes, like maybe less than ten minutes, before we mentioned Hincapi, which nice. I thought was pretty great. I'm glad we. We also we had a word. couple we had a couple of Zibeldia mentions. Oh shit! I got one for tonight, so let's just let's get through this. And I got one for Tim. I got one. Okay, well we're, we're gonna get back to this. So so there was one other Twitter, and this is at the top step of the podium. Okay, and this comes from good friend Ryan Fisher um, at the Ryan Fisher, uh, one of our own in Cleveland, Ohio, who writes, Ooh. "Hey guys, I checked out one four two three school lane in Nashville. Um, oh shit, <laughs> Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, on the on the Google no, Maps, and he's like." Definitely room for a prototype bicycle monorail yes. in those woods. Yeah. So he looked up uh, 1247 School Lane in Nashville, Tennessee, nice. where the high e. old high-E uh, uh-huh. bicycle component group was. But he couldn't, and, he couldn't see if there was a bicycle monorail there from the satellite shot. No, could, we need someone tree, to get there. Cover. Yeah. Yeah. We need to get someone there. What, uh, so I don't know. We own a lot more. What do you guys – you got any picks for Amstel? You want to throw down? We're not doing a 16 place. We're going to save that for Liège in two weeks. But so Amstel is this coming Sunday, correct? Amstel is this coming weekend. So yeah, well, who do you got, Timmy, for a pick? Who do you think is going to win this? Well, 
I've got uh, I've got my boy uh, Valverde. I haven't looked at the start list, but I'm just assuming that when it's the R. Danes Classics, that Valverde is going to be the man to beat. Because when we're picking R. Danes Classics, Valverde is the guy that is going to take the title. He's going to sweep them. Yeah. All three. Interesting. Ooh, all three. You think like and I... And who do you got, little guy? Well, see, I want to go with uh, my favorite anonymous chinless rider, uh, Jella Vanadert or whatever his name is from the uh, Belgian Lotto. But I'm pretty sure uh, my second favorite chinless rider, but my favorite old rider, Tintin Rebelin, is riding Amstel. So I'm going to go with Tintin. Oh, he well, remember he that are, glorious he, week that he had both oh. years ago? You guys are both Who do you wrong. have for Amstel? I'm going to tell you why. Because Tim is picking the wrong movie star guy. Little guy is picking guys with no chins, but he should be picking guys with two chins because it's going to be the week of the gummy bear. Betancourt, <laughs> two chins. Well done. Well played. Is he riding? I hope so. Is he? I have no idea, but I'm picking him. Oh. It was just kind of hanging out there. I mean, That's some low fruit. He should be riding. Yeah. The problem is he's probably still, um, he's probably still getting fit. Unfortunately, but yeah, he's probably still working off them Haribos. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, that's a good well, pick. I would so, be excited. So the next, the next batch of classics is around the corner with Amstel Gold. And uh, Liège, Bastogne, Liège, and then in the middle there. What's what's there in the middle? Is it still um, flesh? Flesh, flesh alone is flesh, in there. Flesh alone. The race yeah. with one hill and four hours of boringness before it. Uh, I know you guys cut me but off. That hill but is this, awesome. This race this Wednesday is a really fun race. Everybody out there, you should watch the Brabantse. Watch it. It's great. And I'm sure they all will, based off of your uh, recommendations. You guys, you guys are easy crazy to Google assholes. that. <laughs> Watch it. It's awesome. Better so than Flesh the, Malone. So there is one more thing I want to talk about, and that has to do with the Wide Angle Podium Network. Where there's a new show on the network that's going to probably become the most popular show on, our, on the network uh, quite fast. It's joining Crosshairs, the Honest uh, Bicycle Program. And the Kids Don't Follow podcast, and that is the all-new Adam Meyerson show called The Meyerson Line. And Spencer, you were the first guest and one of the uh, uh, kind of helping out on that first episode. Do you want to tell uh, our listeners about both Wide Angle Podium and The Meyerson Line? Uh, yeah, so uh, me and Adam been talking for a while about getting him uh, a show going now that he's retired. He's got a lot of things to say, uh, obviously, people who know people who are familiar with him will know he's got a lot of uh a lot of content um you know that he generates so uh it promises to be a pretty great show if you're unfamiliar with him give it a listen yeah like you said i was on the uh the first episode to kind of work out all the kinks make sure everything was um working properly cuz it's it's actually a different style than a regular podcast it uh, it is recorded live um thursday nights you can tune in you can uh chat and uh, kind of ask questions live in the moment. Um, but then it is archived at WideAnglePodium.com, so you can go listen to last week's episode there, and you can subscribe on iTunes. Um, and yeah, I mean, this show wouldn't happen without the network. Our show has gotten better due to the network and due to your guys' support, which is great. Uh, little guy is talking to us with a new pop filter and a new mic stand tonight, um, directly related to donations uh from listeners so thank you thank you thank you for that support it's fantastic 
Um, the, the new format for the Meyerson, uh, the Meyerson line mm-hmm. is pretty cool. I checked in from a minor league hockey game the other night uh, <laughs> during intermission while you guys were on there. And you can actually type in comments. You can watch. You can also listen. Yep. Overall, pretty cool. And it looks like he's got some pretty awesome guests lined up that I think that this show is going to uh, take off. Uh, and the best part about Meyerson, as you guys know, um, and have we experienced on the podcast, is that he's very professional in what he does, but he's also um, willing to discuss topics that a lot of people won't. So he does it in a way that, uh, you know, he broke the news. Um, he didn't tell us who, but he said, like, hey, there's going to be some doping uh, bus coming down from a guy that's getting turned in by some of his roommates in Tucson, Arizona. And we heard it first on the podcast, and sure enough, Yep. A gentleman gets a pop from Canada. So pretty uh, – Meyerson has his finger on the pulse, and that show is definitely going to be a must-listen for, um, I think, all of our listeners here on the Slow Ride Podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. So, yeah, definitely check that one out, uh, wideanglepodium.com. Check out the other shows, Crosshairs Radio, Kids Don't Follow, Honest Bicycle Program. And if you've never heard it before, uh, there's one on there called the Slow Ride Podcast. It's pretty good. It's all right. Kind of noisy. And, hey, you guys. And I think the – yeah. I just wanted to say, Tim, who'd you pick for Amstel? Valverde. Oh, okay. All right. I wanted to s- Is he on the start list? He's 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 uh he's not, I don't think. No. Valverde's not on the start list and neither Okay, tell me who the movie star guys are on the start list. Uh Gummy Rubi- Bear, Gummy Bear. Okay. Gummy Bear, Gummy Here's Bear, the thing. Gummy Bear. Here's the thing, you guys. All my guys are racing, none of your guys are racing. Damn so it. there's no movie star guys on the Star There Wars? are, but it's it's uh so. Well, I will have to do some research, guys. I do not know who I'm gonna pick to win this race. I'm just, maybe David Rebelin. Okay, I like that. <laughs> Tim, you do know uh that your one of your favorite riders from the past, uh, Cunego, is riding. That was Cunego, isn't it? Yeah. I didn't know if his team got a start. Yeah, yeah. well then I'm totally picking Cunego right. for sure. Cool. Sp- Spencer, do you have a change of plans? Or are you gonna just stick with it and hope they, they make a late change? <clears throat> um I'm going to, well, if the gummy bear is not there, which is shocking because he needs to start riding his bike, um, yeah. I'm going to actually switch it up completely and uh, I'm going to go with Tom Dumoulin. Ooh. I actually Ooh. think, I think he's going to start ramping it up uh, leading into the, the Grand Tours here. Hey, right, he's riding. He's riding. All right, cool. And if any of that happens, we'll make, sh- if any of these guys win, we'll make sure to let you know on the next episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. And... We'd like to finally also thank uh, GFNY.com for their support of the podcast with their upcoming race in New York City starting on the George Washington Bridge, May 15th, 2016. Check them out at GFNY.com. Mm-hmm. also like to thank our subscribers on iTunes. Make sure you leave us a review. We haven't had one in about a month and a half, and it's starting to make us feel a little lonely, and maybe we're dropping down on the rankings. Yeah, feeling a little inadequate um, here. Uh, feeling a little inadequate indeed. We'd also like to thank BK1 of Rhyme Series Entertainment for his intro and outro song, Radio hey, Do yeah. Cannibal. Do you guys interesting BK1 knows no <laughs> news? Yeah, his um, nose is fucking. His nose is nice. Nose is beautiful. He's a beautiful man. Anyway, he's, good he's got a new group called uh, Beaker and Bones um, that uh, they actually played the opening day at the uh, Twin Stadium today. Oh, really? That's awesome. Really? Yeah. Yeah. The, so I don't the, know if Ken Herbeck was there or not, but oh, you know. he was—he had to have yeah, been there. Opening day, he's got to go. Did the Twins win? Do you guys know? No, they're 0-7. No, no idea. Oh. No idea. I can't believe we're seven games in and I've already lost interest. 
<laughs> only 154 more to go. Oh my god! That means the cheap, that means the seats are going to be super cheap from the scalpers, though. So maybe I'll go to more mm. games this year. Anyway, and uh, we'd like to thank all of our listeners, and most importantly, if you see any other fellow spandex clown suit wearing nerds, or even just someone out riding a bike, give them a wave, say hi. Unless they got give one of those visors on. I'm going to wave to a whole bunch of people at the Grand Fondo, New York. And I'm going to prove Derek Lewis wrong. <laughs> You're going to wave at everybody in New York City. Everybody. <laughs> and we bid you adieu. Broken wrist at the end of the night. 3,000 waves, one too many. The Slow Ride Podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride Podcast.com. And on Twitter at the Slow Ride Podcast.